Welcome to the Betterish Podcast. I'm Angie. And I'm Malin. We can't guarantee this podcast will improve your life, but we hope it will at least make you laugh and think about being better-ish. Good morning, Angie. How are you? Hey, Malin. I'm great. How are you today? Good. I uh, My allergies, I can breathe. They have subsided for a minute. Or I'm hopefully so happy. for the whole Finally. year. So I know I'm excited. I was like listening to our last few episodes, cringing, listening at my listening to my nasal like <laughs> sounds. I'm so sorry. We're just a little congested. It yeah. is fine. Yeah. No I'm harm, good no though. Is your family better from them yes. being sick while you're in We've Seattle? all recovered, but also so Maverick's in kindergarten and the other day one of his friends didn't go to school. And Maverick in his head, like, put it together, like, wait, if I say I'm sick, I don't have to go either. And so every day he's like, I'm sick, like Elliot. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> oh, anyways, he's funny. But yeah, everyone's recovered. Everyone's good. How are you? Life is great. It's warming up here in North Carolina, which I'm really excited about because we live right by the beach and we are just itching to get outside and play. We're stir crazy. So I'm excited for warm weather. We're warm. We, we're, we are warm weather people. My husband wants to yeah. move to Florida. Oh my gosh, but the alligators. Well, that's a, I'm not scared of alligators because western predators are far more ferocious. If you were to encounter a bear or a pack of wolves in Idaho, like it's over. But if you like walk by a pond and there's an alligator, the alligator's just going to leave you alone unless you like yeah. mess with its eggs. Like Wait, Angie, I'm, I'm not the craziest show. I've been meaning to text you. I I gave you a list of shows so I haven't wanted to bombard you with more, but I started watching this show called Harrow. Have you heard of it? No, it's like on it? Hulu. It's Australian. Anyways, I, you have to like watch all the other shows I told you about, and then we can do this one later on. But in one of the episodes, the guy, they find like a human body part inside an alligator, <gasps> and they try to go find the rest of him, and guess what they do? They go on like this little boat in the swamp, and this lady shoots a shotgun into the water and was like, that'll scare the gators off for a minute. And these people hop into the water and swim under it to like the alligator nest. And they're, like, in the alligator nest looking for a dead body. But the whole time, I'm like, who would ever do that? Who would ever do that? Is that just from the shows? Or do people really swim in alligator nests? Is this show fictional? Or is this, like, a documentary? No, it, I mean, it's, like it's fictional. Drama. But I okay. is it based on real people that I go into like, alligators? <sighs> Angie, like, I haven't watched an episode since because it was so upsetting to me. That is upsetting. That's terrifying. There's it's an episode like of there's a season of Dexter, remember, where they where they were the girls in the suitcases and yes. the in the in the alligator. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh. I can't. Alligators are it. scary. I'll give you that. They're like yeah. prehistoric monsters. So please just be careful when you move to Florida. Okay. okay. If I move to Florida, I'll be very careful of alligators. But <gasps> now I know the shotgun trick, so if I need to go into an alligator nest, I know what to do. I'm armed with information. <laughs> Don't listen to anything I say, but also try it. <laughs> and, spe- and speaking of being armed with information, <laughs> Melissa, what's our topic about today? <laughs> oh, yes, Angie. Okay, I'm actually really excited about this. We're going to be talking about immigration from, I want to hear all of Angie's stories because she has a lot of stories about this. And I am from Idaho where I didn't learn anything about immigration growing up. And then now living here in San Antonio, my eyes have been so opened and I'm very passionate about a lot of my views and I love the community that we live in. I love the immigrants that come here. I know that there are problems that go on and I know that it's like a big topic, but I think that a lot of people are misinformed. I'm misinformed about a lot of things, but I want to hear all about your story and what you were talking about on your Instagram story the other day, Angie. Okay. So yeah, I went on a rant on immigrants 
on immigration on my Instagram stories. My husband is an immigrant, and we went through uh, almost a decade in immigration courts trying to get his situation squared away. And Melinda, obviously, I grew up in Idaho, too, and I had no idea about any of this, too. (laughs) But this is kind of like our Karen episode. Like, once I lived a little and, like, I don't know, the things I hear on the news and, like, the policies and stuff became real life for me, that's when Mm -hmm. I realized, oh, I've been a Karen about this. You know, it, it really takes, like, seeing how politics affects a family to understand how you mm-hmm. should feel about something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. policies are one thing in the White House, but it's important to go look up people who are affected by them because they affected me, and I. Com- that's this is something I had to completely change my view on because it didn't match up with how I had kind of been raised to feel on mm-hmm. this subject simply because, yeah, northern Idaho, like, the KKK yeah. runs for sheriff up there. So, oh, sh- oh yeah. swear words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how would I have known any different? Until I married my husband and realized, oh my gosh, yeah, this is real, like, this, what I know on the, what I've heard on the news is not, you know, I never saw what I heard about on the news, like, translated to a real, real life. Anyway, so, uh, the plan, I guess, for this episode is I'm going to just kind of tell the story, and Malin's going to ask questions, and I'm going to clarify some things, because now that I've gone through it, and I I understand a lot of the inner workings of how to, how to... I guess it boils down to, like, how do you immigrate legally to the United States? What's the process like? What are the qualifications? What about these people, right? I feel like it's... I know a lot about it now since I've been through it, but a lot of people still are just... They know what they see on the news, and a lot of immigrants are afraid to share their story because there's a lot of hateful rhetoric around it, so you don't hear a lot of the stories, and that's what's... that's, That's a problem because... That's the whole point of passing these laws and policies. Like, well, what does that mean for the families in the United States? So yeah. you, need, you need to hear from the families in the United States who are affected by the policies to figure out if they're good or bad. So anyway. Right. Okay. I'm excited to hear your story. Start at the beginning. When did Enrique come here? Enrique came here when he was my daughter's age, right before, oh. the days before he turned seven years old. He moved to the United States from Brazil with his parents and his little brother. It was like two at the time. And um, so they flew here, um, already had some family here, like his uncles were going to BYU and his uncles. So if you've traveled internationally, you know that there are like visa services. So you can go yourself to like an embassy. Like when I went to China, I had to go to the Chinese embassy to get my visa. But there are visa services that will do it for you if you don't live near an embassy. So like I had to drive three hours to get to DC to do it. But there are, if you've traveled internationally, you know, you can like mail it through a service. So Basically, Enrique's family in the United States said that they know of someone who does this visa service and can help them come to the United States if they want to come to the United States, too. And his parents were really young and wanted to go to BYU and stuff. Okay. So wait, so they were in Brazil, yeah. and then someone from the United States could help them while they were in Brazil get mm-hmm. to the United States. Yeah, his, his okay. uncle who was here was like, I know if you guys want to come, too, like, it's great here, and this guy can help you with the okay. paperwork and stuff and help get you here so you can go to school and work. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his parents don't have... Uh, much of a formal education mm-hmm. and they were just hardworking Brazilians doing their thing really active in their church had two little boys but it was there from a city called Hesifi which is a, in a, in not a safe part of it a low-income not safe part of that city and yeah the American dream they would love a chance to move to the United States they did so they flew into LA and then ended up moving to Utah and and that was that until they went to like go process their paperwork and get you know their their documents to be able to work and live and that's when they found out their documents were fraudulent (laughs) and they were like uh what (laughs) and then they saw the person they had met with the man who like did this visa service and he had them come do paperwork and stuff 
And then they saw his face on the news. And he had, he was a, uh, where was he from? Cuba? No, not Cuba. It starts with a C. Um, maybe it was Cuba. Anyway, they saw his face on the news. And he was going to prison for immigration fraud. They were one of thousands of families who had been duped. Gosh, this Basically, he came to the United States when he was seven. He th- flew on an airplane, was le- came to through the L.A. airport, and then they ended up moving to Utah. But they found out later as they were trying to get their documents that they the person who had helped them used fraudulent means to get their documents, which basically means they couldn't adjust their status. Adjust your status means you go from, you know, a temporary visa or a travel visa to like a permanent resident if someone's talking about adjusting their status it it usually means they're trying to get a green card so people often and this is another really big misunderstanding a lot of people when they think about and i don't even like illegal undocumented Mm -hmm. immigrants that they're all running across the border from mexico but most undocumented undocumented immigrants actually are here overstaying a visa and can you explain to me what the difference between a visa and a green card is Yes. So you need a visa to enter the United States. So, for example, Enrique has friends. We have friends in Brazil who live in Brazil, and they just want to come visit the United States just for fun to visit family. Mm -hmm. And they have to apply for a visa. And the United States issues visas to people who want to come. But you have to meet all these qualifications. So and the United the government knows that overstaying visas is the biggest cause of the biggest source of undocumented immigrants. Mm-hmm. So they're, it's so hard to get a visa to the United States, even for just a trip. So some friends, for example, have gotten denied just to visit three times. They keep getting denied because in order to even just get a travel, a tourist visa is what it's called. You have to prove you have money in your bank account, that you have ties to your home country, that you have the means to travel. You have to show where you're going to stay in the country to make sure that you're not planning to stay in the United States. And our friends own a company, like they own a business in Brazil. Their kids are enrolled in school. All of their family is there, but they lived in the United States a while ago. They want to come back and visit. And like their work visas expired. They went back to Brazil. They want to come back and visit the people. And they've gotten denied three times, even though, yeah, they're wow. just planning to visit. Their life is set up in Brazil, but they keep getting denied. And it's just completely random. So in order to come, you need some type of visa, a student visa. If you show you're enrolled in school, you can get a student visa. There's, you can't really work with a student visa. You can get a tourist visa, like they're trying to do um, work visas. Certain big companies can sponsor immigrants who have certain skills to come into the United States. Um, and then they have like fiance visas. If you do go, you know, the dream, mm-hmm. you go travel abroad on a solo, find yourself <laughs> trip and you fall in love with some handsome Brazilian man, maybe, and <laughs> and you want to be together, then you can apply for like a fiance visa, I think. And anyway, you cannot enter the United States legally without some type of visa. Some How type long of does it take to get a visa? Like once you apply and it does go through, is it a super long time or I don't know how that works? It's so political. It could be months and like uh, the, the United States at one point restricted how many visas they would issue to Brazilians. So then Brazil restricted how many visas they would issue to Americans. So it's super political. And some some countries you don't need a visa and don't need a visa. I don't know if that's true for United States, but like I Americans do not need a visa to go to Brazil. We mm. can just go to Brazil now. But but that's a new thing. So sometimes you don't need a visa. You don't need a visa to go to Mexico. You don't need a visa to go to Canada. But it depends where your home country is from. To come to United States from Brazil, you need a visa. And then so, what is a green card then? So your visa so, expires and you have to leave, but then, mm-hmm. but if you want to get a green card, or, how does that work? Yeah. 
a green card means permanent residency. So that's the that's a step you need to take if you want to become a U.S. citizen. First, you need to get permanent residency, which is basically permission to live here and work. You pay taxes. You may or may not be able to use social services like food stamp and stuff. I don't think you are, but you can apply for like federal. I know my husband has his green card and was able to apply for student loans. So it's basically like you're here, you're planning to stay. It's like your trial period. I don't know, but you don't ever, you can renew your green card indefinitely. It's basically just like you have permission to be here permanently. Permanent resident. Okay, and that doesn't expire. Like, if it expires, you can just renew it. And since you're here, you can just mm-hmm. stay. Yeah, unless you commit a crime, you can still be deported if you commit like a serious crime. Okay. So, um, so do people apply for green cards? Like, if you're in Brazil, can you apply for a green card after you have a visa, or do you need to be in America and then get a green card? I'm not sure. I know that if you can be in America, like if you are here on a student visa and you get mm-hmm. married, you can stay in the United States. So that's this is the tricky part. If you are here illegally, mm-hmm. but you came legally, so like you, you're illegal now, you're undocumented oh, now your because expired. your visa expired, but mm-hmm. you came in, you have paperwork to show that you came in in a legal way, you can stay and adjust, but you can't just cross the border and even if you marry a citizen, apply for a green card. And I will just say, I'm obviously not an immigration attorney. There are ways, if you did come here undocumented, I think the rule that we were told is you you can still get a green card, but you have to go back to your home country to apply first. But when you go back, there's often a 10-year bar before you can come back to the United States. I think you can like file a waiver to try to lower that amount of time. So basically what I'm talking about is... You can stay in the United States to adjust if you immigrated legally. If you immigrated illegally, you have to go back to your country and their your home country and there are consequences. But eventually you can still apply and maybe you will or not get it. You have Brent, like was it you that was telling me that someone's been waiting for their green card for like seventeen years? Like probably or something. Like- I don't know. So I'll tell you, yeah, our process to apply for the green card was nuts. So we got married and we're going through school. And I got, and we, and Enrique had no reason to really like think about immigration because he had all, he just was raised in Utah and like served a mission for our church in Boston, went to high school, was good at sports, got into college. Like life was just normal, like all of his other friends Mm -hmm. until it came to like getting married and filling out paperwork and showing birth certificates and stuff. And, and that's when he started realizing like, oh, like, yeah. And his parents kind of explained the situation to him and he's like, well, now that we're married, like you know, I'd like to get my green card. And I was like, well, duh, yeah. Like, I'm having your babies. Like, let's do this. Like, I want this too. And so we applied through an attorney in Utah. And Utah's a very conservative state. And it was expensive. But I worked off half of the attorney fee by teaching our attorney's niece and nephew a piano. Because <laughs> oh, we were so that. poor and we couldn't afford it. And so she's like, well, you, I'll cut your bill in half if you teach my niece and nephew piano. And I was like, awesome. And so, and I grew oh. to love their family. So the process and here's the thing is when you apply your case gets assigned to like a worker like a caseworker mm-hmm. but with the government with the immigration and then they ask for all of this evidence and so the process just to get a green card they do biometrics so fingerprints so you can't apply if you're someone else that's what a lot of people think they're here like impersonating people you can't mm-hmm. like okay. you can't fake anything they check every single record they have to be notarized um, they have to see everything. They even needed my husband's elementary school transcripts. They asked oh for gosh. that. I know. I was like, 
Do they even keep they that exist? on five? Does that exist? And my husband has no criminal record. Like, I think he's gotten pulled over a couple times. But so that we weren't really worried about anything. But um, the laws were changing. Obama was president at the time, which was, I didn't realize, because I think I voted for Mitt Romney. But um, <laughs> we are so glad. This is where my politics started changing because this is so embarrassing too not embarrassing this is just like it it got really stressful because they started requesting more and more and more and that I gave birth to Olivia December 14th and we finally got our immigration appointment which have you seen the proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds I was just thinking this they like bombard you with questions I was (laughs) just like want to make sure you're legitimately married I know that's what that's how I pictured the appointment going so my mom I think was there and was babysitting Olivia who was like two weeks old and I had a a traumatic delivery and lost complete function of my bladder I mean complete function I was in diapers for like two months I mean like (laughs) absolutely couldn't control it I know. Sorry, TMI. This is relevant because I was in a diaper. This is so funny. You were in a diaper at your immigration at the appointment. Meeting? And so we were sitting there forever waiting for them to call our name. And they call our name. And I stand up and just feel my bladder empty. I just feel. Oh, Angie. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't control it. And I was just like, I have to go to the bathroom right now. And she's like, are you sure? Do you want to just reschedule? And we were like, no. Like, we had been waiting six or eight months for this appointment. I mean, a long time and spent yeah. so much money. I was like, no, I just need to go to the bathroom and change my diaper. And so <laughs> I went to the, but I was like, confidence was everything. Like, this appointment yeah. was it. And yeah. I had just like filled up a diaper. <laughs> like, this, I, I was so good. So I went to the bathroom and changed my effing diaper, but I was like bawling because I was postpartum two weeks too, and my boobs were leaking and I went in and this lady was mean. And this, this is something I realized. These officers are not lawyers. They are government caseworkers who get to interpret the law however they want. And that's Mm -hmm. what's so frustrating is some people will get a good officer who's in a good mood that day and say, yes, you guys are great. And ones like her who are affected by their own personal political views mm-hmm. are are way stricter and so she was really unkind really unkind like just so mean grilled us and made Enrique feel and Enrique's like I was seven I don't know like oh did, I'm, I'm a good person like I'm going to college I'm, a, I'm married with a kid like and she's like none of that matters because <laughs> your if your documents weren't were fraudulent how I how do I know you didn't just jump the border and we were like are you kidding me like oh my gosh also there's like video footage from his uncle like videoing them coming through the airport like welcome to america like these are not some mastermind criminals like yeah this is very like cut and dry like they wanted to go BYU with their uncle or with their brother and so um and our attorney was very timid and i really thought she'd be more like lawyer-ish but she was pretty timid in the interview and i just left and just bawled and then and then and in that appointment, she basically told us she would fail us, but then looked at, like, our attorney and was like, well, maybe you should help them apply for DACA. And I was like, what the F is that? And so what else do I have to apply for? Like, great. <laughs> and I just was so defeated because I just thought, like, what what did I marry like into? What yeah. is this? Like, why? Like, you've been here just as long as all your friends who are married and life's going on. Like, why is this so hard for us? Yeah. And so... I found out what DACA was. It was called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's basically if you came to the country as a kid, like, you didn't choose, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just get, you know, he was in kindergarten. Like, when you're in kindergarten, you, yeah. you go where your mom takes you, you yeah. know? It gives them a permit to work and go to school. 
because basically they were like nope there's no you're not here legally you need and we got a letter that said you're not here legally you need to leave the country as soon as possible Angie, okay. that's scary. Were you I had it like a. I got that letter when Olivia was like two months old. Like oh we were gosh. both in the middle of work. Like I remember getting that letter and just bawling. And I went to school and I changed my major to engineering because I thought, well, if we're going to Brazil, like I guess in that city they oh, have a big Angie. engineering plant. And I was like, I guess I got to be an engineer. Like that's what I got to do. And so I changed, I was like, you know, I can stay and finish my degree and he can go to Brazil. And then once I'm an engineer, I can go and support us while he goes to school. Like I was planning our whole future in Brazil. It was so depressing. Like I remember I went to the emergency room once on a Sunday. I was sitting in church and just got terrible chest pains. And I was like, I'm having a heart attack. And I went to the emergency room and they were like, they did an EKG or whatever. And they were like, no, but here's some Xanax. It was a (laughs) panic attack. And I was like, cool. Like, yeah, but... And the problem is I couldn't talk to anyone about this because, in, yeah. like, pe- people all feel a certain way towards, like, illegal immigrants. And I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, like, that's my reality. Like, I'm married to an illegal immigrant. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, it's Enrique, like, super sexy Brazilian Enrique, <laughs> like, who's just been here his whole life. So he applied for DACA and got it, which al- let him keep going to school and keep working, which was so fantastic. Thanks, was Obama. That, was that the – so with, with DACA – Okay, two questions. First, how long did that take to apply and then get it? Oh, like three or four months. Okay, that's a stressful three or four months. I'm sorry. Very, very stressful. And then, so after he gets it, so does that mean once he's not a student anymore, he needs to leave the country? We didn't know, yeah. What we thought is... Then our thought once we got DACA was if it, he can at least get that degree, mm-hmm. he can get a job out of the country. But if he if he still has DACA, then he can renew it, and that's that will get him hired somewhere. Like, he can show that to HR at a company, and they'll mm-hmm. hire him. And so that was hopeful. But DACA was an executive order, which was very a hot-button issue. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, gov- the, the president alone can't just do this. But... Actually, I'm really glad he did because I know a lot of people who used it and you can't be a felon or anything and have DACA. It's just to go to school and work. So why would you want that if you... Right. That's all it does. And so it was a good thing. If he hadn't hadn't have gotten it, would that have meant you had to leave the country like quickly? Yeah. Well, not necessarily quickly. It's not like ICE was going to knock on our door because they prioritize like dangerous felons. But yeah, there, okay. I mean, there are a lot of people here undocumented, and I just leave them alone because they're just kind of doing their thing. But they're, I mean, uh, and that's fine. I mean, I want the but criminals gone too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, you know. But we weren't in direct danger, and I mean, if, I'm getting deported or anything. But yeah, I mean, ultimately for our future, he needs to. He needed to be in a country where he could legally work and stuff. So yeah, we don't want to. I mean, we didn't want to break any. We didn't want him to be there illegally. Like we'd never wanted to. We were yeah. trying so hard to do the right things and get through. That's what a lot of people understand, too. Like, when they pass and make it harder and harder to get green card, these are people who, like, they want to follow the rules. They want to get their status. They'll yeah. pay what they got to pay. They'll fill out stacks and stacks of paperwork. Like, let me do it. I'm, I'm an ethical person. I'm a good person. I want a future. Like, that's the type of people applying for green cards here. Yeah, I know. Here in San Antonio, I know a company where a lot of their employees, their visas expire, and some of them don't get renewed. These are very intelligent people who are making over a hundred thousand dollars a year contributing to the community doing great things and then here it's like sorry you can't do your visa go like go back to this country where you haven't lived for 20 years good luck exactly i like i'm baffled by it I, i don't like it breaks my heart for these families that have lived here for so long work hard contribute are good members of society and then 
everything can just be pulled away from them. Yeah, and that's kind of where we were at. Like, do we, yeah. does he go by himself? Do we split up our family? Like, he hasn't lived in Brazil for 15 plus years. I mean, his whole childhood, everything was here. Like, yeah. what? what is it? Nothing's in Brazil for him. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't speak Portuguese. Like, and he's mm. in school trying to be a dentist. I mean, if you just think, like, philosophically, like, wh- why wouldn't he just stay in the country where he could use those services? You right. know, like, it's strange. And that's another thing is all of these laws and regulations and policies, they change and they come and they go and they, you just like, it's just luck of when your parents decided to conceive you because you could be born in any decade with any laws and rules. And that's a, that's a really hard thing is a lot of people get really, I don't know, maybe I've become a little jaded, but a lot of people love to take laws and these policies and stuff as like, god's commandments like this is it like the law is commandment it is and it's not like it's probably gonna change it has i know (laughs) it's changed it has changed and but it really affects how people are treated how you Mm -hmm. treat people and especially with immigration like my husband didn't do anything wrong he was seven like when did didn't you move when you were a little kid like what if that completely changed your whole life and where you could go to college and if you got married and had a kid but now you have to leave you know mom or dad like it it's nuts so Okay, so he so had what DACA. Happens? You got DACA. Yeah, thankfully, and I hustled through school. I went right back to school with Olivia. She came with me in the stroller. I mm-hmm, had cute. so another thing that people don't understand is when you are an immigrant like that, when you don't have your legal status, you're not eligible for any benefits, even federal loans. So Enrique had no choice but to work full time through undergrad because he had to pay mm-hmm. for a school out of pocket. So that's another ugh, frustrating people I, I get really triggered by people who generalize and say call immigrants mooches or you know stealing jobs like we didn't he worked some super grunt jobs yeah. and put himself through school while most of his classmates were living on student loans so they could focus on their grades and but he he graduated with honors working mm-hmm. 40 hours a week going through this and wow. got into like eight dental schools and scored in the like top percentile on the dat the dental admissions test like he's mm-hmm. he's not taking anyone's spot he's he's earned you know that's yeah and I think that's another reason I get frustrated with the laws. Like, get get over the laws and look at the talent. Look at the type of people look at the you people. want. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you get in a car accident and get all your teeth knocked out and you're bleeding and you have this condition, don't you want, like, the best, sharpest guy to be like, I know exactly what you need. You have this condition. We can do this. Med-. Like, isn't that what you want? Isn't that what makes America great? Like, mm-hmm. that we're skilled and we're advanced. Anyway, I digress. So this is undergrad. <laughs> Biology he's working towards. We're just hustling, super depressed, and uh, and our um, attorney's like, well, just hang in there, you got DACA. And I was like, okay, cool. So we kind of just, we would take it like a milestone at a time, graduate in college, and then try to get into dental school. So then I did all this research to figure out if these dental schools will accept DACA. Some of them didn't. Some of them were oh, like, wow. well, are you an international student? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, no. <laughs> kind of? No. I was like, his personal assistant, because I made all these calls and had to, I made this list of the schools he wanted. He, wow. he made a list of all the schools he wanted to go to. And with dental school, medical school, you apply to a tons and then just go where you get in. If you get in, it's mm-hmm. really hard and competitive. So he made a list and then I would call them all and made this chart, like if they accept DACA, if they don't and all this stuff. So we only applied at the schools that we knew accepted it and and yeah and it was so expensive you have to pay application fees for everything we both worked our tails off and I had to I had an academic scholarship I went to BYU which 
it's awesome that they do it the way they do it. If you have a certain GPA, you automatically get half or full tuition scholarship. So I had to, it's crazy because I had to hustle in order to graduate in time to move to dental school. Like my degree was non-negotiable with our future so uncertain. I had to get that degree, even though I had Olivia, but I had to keep my grades up because we couldn't afford for me to go to school and him. Oh my gosh. And so I had to keep my, so I took like the minimum 18 credits up to like 22 credit semesters and took Olivia with me and had to keep my grades up because I had to. Oh I had gosh. like three sem- three or four semesters to do it all and I didn't take off any breaks. I went, like Olivia was born December. I took spring off. Then I went um, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, and then graduated. Just wow. took huge semesters because I had to. So I did graduate, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And Enrique got into all, he got into eight dental schools, which is like unheard of. It's hard to get into one. And he got into eight. Yeah. But I think his personal statement was awesome. And his personal statement was basically, he grew up, you know, with his family in the United States, but very poor. They were immigrants and they had a cleaning company and they cleaned their dentist's house. And their dentist was a really nice guy and he exchanged dental work for house cleaning. And it wasn't until, and Enrique would go with his parents and help them. And he went to this dentist's house, and when he was a teenager and kind of understood economics, I guess, a little better, and understood that it was a really not a fair trade. <laughs> like, <laughs> dental work is really expensive, and house cleaning is, I mean, expensive, but it's not a fair trade. Yeah. And then he'd go to this dentist's house who had this this beautiful house and pictures with his family, and they would, you know, go on trips, and he was coaching their teams, and they just had a great life. And he that's when he decided he wanted to be a dentist and he was like to be in that position where I can take care of my family and have security but also help like families like he's helping my family like that's what I Mm -hmm. want so he knew he wanted to be a dentist from the time he was a teenager he just didn't know all the hurdles that extra hurdles he would have to get there so so he got into dental school and not but here's another tricky thing not eligible for student loan federal loans which is what most people use to go to dental school dental school's crazy expensive so expensive and and federal loans um are better because of the the subsidized they're subsidized and so but we had to apply for private loans um my mom had to co-sign which was awesome of her because yeah it's a risk still politics were changing so we started in 2015 but then 2016 came, which were the new presidential elections, and Donald Trump was talking about, like, draining the swamp and coming down on all these immigrants. And so if I hear immigrant, I hear us. Like, yeah, that this is where, like, policies became real. Like, as soon as these policies got up, it translates to my real life. Mm-hmm. So hearing all these really hateful and scary things, I was so, like, panic attacks were back. And now I had Max, who's a newborn. I guess he was one, and I remember just crying on election day because I was like, what does this mean for my family? Because now we're in six figures of debt. He's got like a fourth of a dental degree, mm-hmm. but Trump took away DACA. And so I was like, great, now he's not eligible to school to go to school, and he's not eligible to work, and we have six figures of debt. Oh, my god! And he doesn't have a finished degree. What the heck are we going to do? This is awful. Like, once again, does he try to transfer to an international you know a dental school abroad what do i do do i go with him do i stay here what do oh i do gosh, i need my family like what do i do it was devastating so then then we found out that enrique's little brother who immigrated at the same time got his green card and i was like what like you came at the exact same time the exact same way like grew up the, you know yeah <laughs> what yeah they just had a different officer who was like oh yeah you wow. guys qualify 
And I was like, how is that possible? And so we hired his attorney. At this point, we lived in Virginia. His little brother used a really good attorney in Utah, and we hired him and flew him to Virginia. Like, we we went into so much debt for this. This is when I really started hustling with VIP Kid and YouTube yeah. to try to work because I was like, okay, like, I got to... We got to move international. We got to try this again. But if not, I need money to move our family out of the country. I was just, when your back's against the wall, you will hustle so hard. So I, and he was, he was basically like, yeah, I helped your brother. I'll help you. Like you, you, you guys legally should be able to get your green cards. And he basically told us your officer was wrong. She doesn't know the law and goes, it's so frustrating because these officers who are given like discretion over these decisions that affect your that affect your lives mm-hmm. are not lawyers like they don't know the law they get to interpret it and that's what's so crappy is so many of these policies are like open to the interpretation of the officers which are affected by their personal biases so i was like she literally put us through heck where <coughs> excuse me where enrique's little brother's officer was just like yep here you go and wow. i was so i would never been like simultaneously so like happy and sad because i was so happy they got it like ugh, and we're spared right. the heartache and headache we went through but at the same time so mad like <laughs> we went through so much to get denied so we were like all right let's do this again in virginia so we hired him we did the case we had our appointment and sh- her name was miss jackson and she was it was so funny because in um utah our first lawyer warned us. She goes, all of these officers, we know who they are. There's this one who has a reputation for denying everyone. I hope we don't get her. Her name is this. And then it was her. She came out and was like, the Silvas, my name is Miss Whatever. And I was like, F, great. We got her. And then that hap- that in Virginia, the same thing happened. We were warned by a different... We, we consulted with a lot of attorneys to find the best one. Mm-hmm. And, in Vir- and in Virginia, one of them said the officer that you should watch out for here is Ms. Jackson. And we, and then during our appointment, you just never know who you're going to get. It's just yeah. randomly assigned to an officer who does your interview. She's like, Mr. and Mrs. Silva, my name is Ms. Jackson. And I was like, good Lord, we have the worst <laughs> luck in the world. And so we went in and our kids were there, but they stayed in the waiting room because we, in Virginia for dental school, we didn't have any family. Like there's nothing we could do. So our kids stayed in the waiting room with our lawyer's wife, who was so nice. Oh. And our interview went really well and this attorney was so sharp but she still was like I don't think she's like your case is complicated I'm gonna need to consult with our legal team out of DC so this was in Norfolk Virginia which is close to DC and we were like okay and she's like I'll let you know meanwhile since you have a pending case like your your work status and stuff is still good as long as you have a pending case it you're still good go to school work do your thing so months pass and months pass. And I check online like every day because I have a case number. I can go to the website and check if there's an update for like wow. six months every day. And so six months pass and I was like, Enrique, do you think we should like email her or something? Like call? And he was like, yeah, like six months. Like, they give you a time frame like you should hear back. And so I called her and she said, well, I did speak to the first attorneys and they said, they didn't they like to talk to someone else about it and there she was like so they wanted a second opinion wow i was like okay and she's like so just hold tight we're still working on it and mind you because of the change in administration 
the immigration courts and everything were backed up to like 2022. And this was in like 2017 because everybody was applying and scared and everybody, you know, was hustling to get their papers in when families who may have been saving a certain amount every month were now like doing everything they can to get the funds they needed to get through the system, you know, because they want to, they don't, they don't, everything's just so uncertain. Like I said, it changes with every new president, every new administration, you know, these are never set in stone things. So now people are hustling to get through. And we were like, great, it's just so backlogged. But at least if it's backlogged, it means you could maybe graduate to school and get that degree. And then if we do end up leaving, you'll have that. So mm-hmm. it was fine. And then finally, she, Enrique, like, drove down there and showed up because she was not getting back to us. Our case was pending. We were, it was nuts. Wow. And she, on the spot, told him, no. She's like, I'm sorry, no. And I've been delaying because I feel so bad for you and I want you to finish. I'm going to cry. She's like, I want you to be able to finish dental school and take care of your family. But they said no. And he called me crying and was like, how is this possible? My brother just got his, I'm in dental school. Like, and he had a scholarship to dental school. Like, why don't they want, he's just like, why don't they want me? And I was like, I don't know. I want you. Like, I don't I don't get it either. And I said, go back in there. He goes, well, she gave me her number. And she said, if there's anything she can do to call her. And I was like, give me her number. Like, Aww. I am not taking no for an answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no. Mm-hmm. And I called her and I said, hey, you just did this to my husband. I said, <laughs> I want to know on what grounds they denied us. And she gave me the actual, like, code in the law. And I looked it up, and it didn't seem to apply. It basically said if you came, it was so fascinating. Like she, she at one point she cited some law that was basically like, this doesn't apply to you because you're a minor. It was basically like if you came by fraudulent means, you cannot apply. But then there was another one that said like, you can't be held account- accountable if you're a minor. But the crazy thing is, right under that one, there was one about like. If you committed an act of terrorism, but before the age of 18, you you can still get it. And I was like, this is nuts. Oh my like, gosh. This case, th- these are nutty. Who decided this? Like, what? And I, and I called her and I was like, this doesn't make sense. And I, I, I pulled it up myself on the internet, like the whole law, which was really complicated. But I, and I showed her another one that said, basically, like, if you are, if you were let in through a port of entry by an immigration officer, you are here legally like you entered legally you can stay and adjust your status and she was like actually you're right i'm gonna ask them about that and so she's like (laughs) and you should be a lawyer oh my gosh so this is why i've thought about it but it's uh, it's a demanding job and i I just get i'm too emotional i want to because i'm so passionate about it but also like i don't want to because i'm so passionate about it like this stuff kills me so she basically was like "Mm, you're right let me ask like the it was now it now it was talking to the DC lawyers like the head federal honchos were coming mm-hmm. down for their like biannual visit consult she's like I'll talk to them because you're right and so I was like okay so we wait and we wait and we wait and then it was like December 2017 when she called me I was on my way to teach a piano lesson and she called me and she was like Miss Silva she's like I heard back from the DC lawyers and they put it in front of a judge and he uh, granted it. He's like, you got it. Oh, my gosh. Goosebumps. Angie, I have goosebumps. I don't oh. think I've ever told this, like, out loud like this before. 
And she's like, yeah, the judge gave you, like, he basically declared, oh, sorry, he basically declared the whole thing, like, you guys are good to go, like, she's like, the paperwork will be in the mail, like, he'll get his green card, it's valid for, like, a decade or something, so you're good to go. And she goes, and, and when you apply for citizenship, you can come right back to this office, and I will be your Aww. officer. And I, I know, I'm crying. Hold on. <sighs> I turned, so, so I got happy. to my piano lesson, how, the house I was teaching the piano lessons at, but I was, like, bawling, and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, my husband just got his green card. I have to go home. I can't teach your kids. And she was like, okay, I totally get it. And then I went home and just, like, was so, so happy because Daka was gone. Like, this was it. And I was like, I I was just like, no, like, you're not going to do this. That's crazy. Like, imagine if you hadn't had called her back. What option did I have? Like, I could not take no for an answer. Like, what was – and so – now I know a lot about immigration law because we've been denied twice and I have studied that law and why some people get it and some people don't and it just doesn't make sense and it's not well, objective yeah. so, and it's really sad and frustrating even when you're in dental school on a scholarship and have never committed a crime and are married and have two kids and volunteer at the freaking Special Olympics and served a mission for your church you can still get denied twice because you're subject to these officers who don't know the law. Wow. So what happened the other day that you were talking about on your Instagram story. Oh, this is getting long. Do you want to get minutes. into it? Should we do um, part two? Well, I'll talk about it real quick. So okay. just the other day, the Supreme Court passed another, like, basically something making it harder for people applying for their green card to get it. And when we applied for a green card, they ask, have you ever used social services or benefits? And me and the kids had, we'd used Medicaid and food stamps for two years during dental school because he couldn't work. I had a newborn, didn't make very much. So, Mm -hmm. and so, but he wasn't allowed to, mind you, he didn't have, he couldn't, there's no way. Mm -hmm. It's, I think in some states, maybe like New York, I looked it up and it said, no, you can't, but maybe there's a way, it's a local thing. Generally, you can't use any federal benefits. Trust me, we've looked it up, we've tried, like you cannot, (laughs) you can't abuse benefits because you can't even apply. So, Mm -hmm. so the law doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I need to do more research, but basically if you had checked yes and they looked at your case and saw like you somehow had been using benefits they would for a long time like you were dependent on the government they would be like no and probably deport you and that's the thing is nobody's applying for a green card who's like this date people applying for green cards are rule followers like they want to be legal <laughs> yeah they and and if you present yourself to the government like that and you have done something wrong you're gonna get deported so mind you this applies to the good hard-working immigrants who want to adjust their status mm-hmm. if they've done something wrong they wouldn't be coming to the government so the new law says that they can deny people even if they've used temporary assistance for like 12 months mm-hmm. so in the past century that didn't that wasn't the case like basically if you were employed but like fell on hard times and used it for 12 months you were still okay they saw you at a job where like you fell on hard times it's fine you could still and now you can't it's a it's ridiculous because it totally disqualifies yeah people who are young like us young maybe newlywed going through school and that's ridiculous to me because these aren't people abusing the system if they fell on hard times and needed to use assist and that's the thing though like the actual green card applicant that's why i think this is a really political move because Mm -hmm. green card applicants generally have never used public assistance because they can't can't. there's not a way i mean you fill out the form online and if you check no it's like sorry like (laughs) there's no way around it yeah so it's i think it's just a political move but basically it just makes it harder for good people to do the right thing honestly they're not the bad people 
the good yeah. people are applying for the green cards and if it gets harder and harder that means it's just harder and harder and immigrants are important for our country so i went on a rant about that because the elections are coming up and when i hear immigrant now or immigration i hear me i hear my family i hear my story and when it's like i'm gonna protect your neighborhood from immigrants and you know i think about i just keep thinking about how dangerous that is i just in my story, I talked about how just last week was the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz and how dangerous it is mm-hmm. for people to scare you about diversity. It like, you makes know? me emotional to think about just like when you've been talking about this, just living here in San Antonio. And I mean, um, like we're a minority here. Like I'm a minority in San Antonio. And that's like very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not humbling. That's not the word that I'm trying to find. But it's just, you just see so many other people and you hear so many stories about people's lives and you look at these people that have come. I've had people working in my home and I, my favorite guy, his name's Gerson. He told me he's from Mexico. He came to the United States when he was in high school. I don't know if he was here legally or illegally, but he had no education in Mexico, no education here in the United States, taught himself a trade, and has has a wife, a beautiful family, works so hard. Like, the, the kindest, most polite guy. A lot of these people that are working in the restaurants, that own the restaurants, they're immigrants, and they they are so wonderful and their lives are so rich and they have so much to offer and that so many people in America are so cruel and look down on them and think they're less than like it is so wrong and it hurts me so bad and I think if you haven't lived in a place maybe where you see that a lot I can see how you can be ignorant and just listen to what you see on the news but immigrants does not equal bad I and that bothers me that that people think that yeah, well, that's the thing is most people came from immigrants. You know, we have immigrants in our heritage at some point, but the laws were different back then. You know, they were allowed in. And it just matters what time, like what time you came to Earth. You know, it yeah. just, well, that's, and that's what's, what's scary. hard. Like, yeah. it can change. Like, you know, you've got people here right now that like, well, just like your guys' situation, it can change in an instant. And yeah. to be working so hard for one thing and then be like, oh, you can't do that anymore. And then can you imagine? Well, I mean, you've lived it, but just like tiptoeing around all the situations and just trying to work hard and trying to make it work and, and following all the doing all the paperwork you're supposed to be doing going to all the meetings and meeting with the lawyers like you're supposed to doing everything yeah. and then it's still not working like that's that's frustrating that's frustrating. And that's what like that's why on a grand scale it does matter it does matter that i share my story because these policies are affected by the people who are voted into office so who you vote for will matter and i don't want this like utopian whitewashed America where we all work for like these giant corporations who are now getting breaks and breaks and breaks like that sounds awful mm-hmm. that's not I mean it just makes me historically speaking when we start being scared of people who are different than us and making it harder and harder and we only you know value people who are the same as us dangerous things happen so I am every time I hear the news or I hear a politician talk about protecting a community from immigrants Listen, I'm not saying open the borders. Like, I want the criminals deported. I don't want anyone to abuse social services. Now we pay enough in taxes that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, get, like we need better, like, job training and placement for people who are, you like, the people abusing benefits are 
U.S. citizens who have been enabled probably for generations. It's just true. <laughs> I know. It is. Like, if it's it's hard and it's generational. But that's, yeah. those are the people who abuse it. It's really hard for an immigrant to get on it. I mean, if not impossible. So that's just what that's. And yeah, I grew up and I've been in it first. I was just kind of like, oh, he's the exception. Like, oh, well, he's just like me. So Mm -hmm. clearly this is a mistake. And then I met more and more immigrants because I was married to an immigrant. And that was our community, even in Utah. And I was like, oh, it's not just him. (laughs) There's a lot of people like him. He's not like me. He's like them who are all trying so hard to do their thing and do and go to church and and get good grades and get to school and start their families. Mm -hmm. And so these laws, that's what they do. They just they make people afraid of people who are different than them. When in reality, most people applying for their green cards are just like you trying to, you know, get done with work and watch our favorite Netflix shows and (laughs) save for their kids college. And I mean, that's what it is. So when I when I hear laws like that, and it intentionally targets the good people, that's when I realize it's a political move. And it's, it specifically draws the people who, yeah, are maybe from like Idaho who don't aren't surrounded by immigrants. All they know is what they hear on the news, but it makes them scared and it makes them think that politicians going to protect them. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me really upset because I've been there and I've been the victim of the of you know people who were voted in by people who were scared. But I'm just saying, don't be scared. It's just us and. You know, I don't want the deportations to stop. I want the bad people out, too. I want a safe place for my kids, but I can tell you the people applying for green cards, it needs to be easier. It just needs to be easier. It shouldn't be a wealth test. I don't know about you, but the most wealthy people I know aren't necessarily the nicest. And the people who, like, I mean, like us, (laughs) who had nothing, who had nothing. We were good people. We are good people who help other people. You know what I mean? Who work hard and build and had all these dreams of this better life and the life we'd give our kids. Like, those are the people you want here. So I, I just, your your birth certificate and your bank account do not determine your worth. And that's what these laws Aww. are doing. And so, Angie, I love that. It's so true. Thank you. Your birth certificate and your bank account don't determine your worth. Yeah. They don't. Amen so, to that. So, anyway, any it's, other questions? <laughs> well, I mean, I have so many. We could talk about it all day, but I really appreciate you sharing your story. That's, I didn't know all of that. I had no idea. Like, well, we couldn't no talk idea. about it before. We <laughs> yeah. were so scared. And that's the thing is for the eight, it was eight years that it took from oh first applying gosh. for the first time to getting it the second time. Eight years. And I couldn't tell anyone, especially when the the administration did change and there was a lot of really hateful rhetoric about immigrants and people were being scared. I couldn't be like, listen, I'm going through this really hard time because yeah. of my husband. Like, I was scared. I didn't want someone to turn yeah. him in, you know, and it was so scary. And I... And now that we're on the other side of it, I feel like I have a, I feel obligated to tell our story because there are people like us mm-hmm. in the exact same situation, but now there's new rules and their outcome could be way different than ours. And that's wrong because exactly, they change. They're not written in stone and they're getting, it's getting harder for good people to be here. Mm-hmm. And I don't just want a bunch of, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I want good, I want to be surrounded by good people in this country. Yeah. It's, I'm just like, I'm going to spend my whole day thinking about this and just like wondering about like, I mean, okay, so last question, how do we help? Like, what do I, like someone in my position, like, what do I do? How do I try to help this? You vote vote in 2020, in November, you vote. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is read, read actual candidates, candidates websites and read what they've done in the past. And make sure they know what they're talking about. I, m- most people don't want to, like, open the borders and stuff. And I don't mm-hmm. want that, absolutely. I don't want any of that. I want to be safe. And that's mm-hmm. not safe. But 
research the candidates and if they are saying i'm going to protect you from immigrants and i support the stricted you know this the stricting what is the word the further restricting the qualifications to come to the united states and get a green card that's not right mm-hmm. that's what i'm scared of because it just makes us less diverse we need immigrants in this country we were built on immigrants so i would be very aware that's what i would do please use critical thinking Use critical thinking when you watch the news. Once you realize you have more in common with everyone around you, including immigrants, you'll have more compassion, you know? And that's what's mm-hmm. really important if you want people to have compassion for you. And that's the thing is you never know when you're going to be one of those marginalized people. Who knows if whatever group you associate yourself with at some point is threatened and you're going to want allies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Stand up for the underdogs. Yeah, and vote. Don't just say you're going to vote. Like research it and then actually go and vote. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is, obviously, it was really a hard time for me when I realized that the political views I grew up with didn't match my situation anymore. I had always watched the news and was scared of immigrants. There was a certain rhetoric around illegal immigrants coming in and stealing our jobs and jacking up our tax, not paying taxes. And oh, but I'll just say that the it took a lot of like self reflection to be able to change my views and i think we get labeled loyal that but when it came down to protecting my family i didn't agree with those views anymore like i needed to protect my family i think it's really important to like question why you believe what you believe is it because you were raised that way because your parents told you that or do you know someone do you even know someone affected by the things that you say are right and wrong why don't you go find out the others and at the end of the day when i considered my political views i realized that This has turned into a bipartisan issue and it really shouldn't have. I didn't like that I felt like I was supposed to abandon all of the views I had been raised with and I was uh, automatically assigned a new label just because I changed my views on immigration. I just didn't like that and I don't, this should not be a partisan issue at all. And that's just all I'm advocating for is vote with your heart. Just because you feel differently on immigration doesn't mean you're suddenly a liberal, you know, or you feel one way about a liberal policy doesn't mean you're automatically a conservative, right? Ignore these labels. Just vote with your heart. Look up the candidates and look how they believe and will act on certain issues and vote according to that. I think label loyalty is dangerous. I think George Washington said something about how bipartisan politics will be the downfall of our country. And I think it's so easy because you want to defend a label that you've always identified with your whole life. But I think that's so dangerous. So just please vote with your heart. Don't assume that if you change your mind, you automatically belong to a new group or you're abandoning one group. Just don't. Just be yourself. Don't be a group at all. Don't be loyal to any label or any party just do what you feel is best side a really good exercise and people learn this in like debate class it's like just as an exercise like have a debate with someone about it but then switch sides now you have to defend the other side and see how Mm -hmm. you feel about it see how it feels to defend the other side it will help you determine what's really right or wrong talk about it from the perspective of if you married someone who was trying to get his green card If you had little kids with that person who got a letter that says you need to leave the country, what would you do? Mm -hmm. Right? Think about it. Put yourself, use empathy is all I'm saying. Put yourself in their shoes. Right. So vote, vote smart this year, friends. Vote (laughs) better-ish. Oh, yes. Vote (laughs) better-ish. I don't know if there's a perfect candidate, but there's a better-ish candidate. Vote for the better-ish candidate. Make America better-ish, right? There is a better-ish candidate. Happy voting. Yes. (laughs)
Guys, thank you so much for being here. We truly consider you part of our Betterish gang. We would love to hear your thoughts about this week's episode. So email us at betterish.podcast at gmail.com or message and tag us on Instagram at betterish.podcast. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and make it real good because we might just share it here on our next episode. And bonus points if you share the Betterish podcast with all of your friends. 